Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for choosing to start your week with us. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. I'm also the lead fantasy baseball analyst for Sports Ethos and SportsEthos.com. And you guys can find me on Twitter, at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. Hit me up there for threads, links, shows, everything that I put out in terms of fantasy content goes out on my Twitter. So go ahead and hit the follow button there, at JoeOrico99. And also, while I've got you listening, hit the five-star review button. It's a really easy way for you guys to help out at home, help us to grow here. It doesn't cost you a penny. Just scroll down to the bottom of your Apple, Spotify, Google, whatever, and hit the five-star button. It's a great way for you guys to help out. So Without further ado, we will get into our show today. We're going to be looking back on some of yesterday's top performers. After that, we are going to dig into the article that I had go live yesterday, which lists 13 players who can be added to help you guys out at the moment, give your team a little midseason boost, hopefully for this week and beyond. There's a couple names who are pitching this week who I'm pretty interested in. And there's also just some hot hands that I'm looking to ride where I can. So we're going to be looking into those guys. We're also going to look at the waiver wire today and see some of the more added players. And there's only six games going on in Major League Baseball today. I think it's only six games. It's a very short slate. So we're going to be taking a look at some of the matchups there. We'll see how much time we have. We might get through all of them, but uh, we're not... uh, Let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six. We'll probably get through all of them. We'll, We'll take a look here. But let's start off by going through yesterday. And we'll start with Jacob Junis. He went six innings for the San Francisco Giants, striking out eight, giving up just one earned run while walking two and giving up two hits. Great stuff out of him. And we've seen a pretty good version of him to this point in the season. He's pitching to a 2.51 ERA. And we've in the past known him to be nowhere near that range, always over four-ish, five. His first couple of seasons in Kansas City were in the low fours. And then every season since going back to 2019, we're looking at 5.24, 6.39, 5.26. Granted, not in large sample sizes. <clears throat> we're looking at more, oh, other than 2019 was pretty much a full season. But since then, we're looking at eight games and 16 games. It hasn't really been uh, full season performances out of him. When we start to look at his numbers a little bit for this year, there's a couple things that are a little bit deceiving, I think. Well, for one, the ERA is a 2.51. The expected ERA is at four. So right there, when there's that kind of discrepancy, you know that he's getting a little bit lucky couple of other figures here that indicate the same thing. So the batting average on balls in play, the BABIP, that is more commonly referred to as, he is currently allowing a 224 BABIP. Balls that are hit into play, that's the average on them. The league average is closer to 300. So you have to figure as the season wears on, that will get closer to about league average there, which is closer to 300. His career mark is 303. So we're, we're going to see him get somewhere closer to that mark. 
He's leaving 85% of batters on base in terms of the batters he allows to reach base. 85% of them are not scoring. That is very high. It's, we're typically looking at about 70%. His career average is 73%. When those numbers go back to the normal, and we have to assume that they will for a guy who's, I think, 29 years old, 29 years old, who's never had an ERA below four, now he's got a 2.51 ERA, and you have to look and see what's going on. And the factors, to me, indicate that this is not really a real uh, version of Junis. As good as he has been to this point, for me, he's not going to be worth taking a shot on. So I'm, I'm just going to be leaving him alone. If you look on uh, Yahoo, he's rostered in 28% of leagues. We saw a little bit of a jump recently. We've seen an 8% increase over the last week. And he's had a couple of good starts, uh, even against Philadelphia, where he only went four and a third. He had a pretty good outing. Before that, six innings against the Mets, it was a victory. And like we were talking about here, a six-inning victory against the Marlins yesterday. So I understand people being tempted to add. But at the end of the day, the numbers for me are a little bit deceiving. And I'm just going to be leaving him on waiver wires. If someone else wants to grab him and deal with the headache of him regressing towards the mean, as I have been known to say here quite a bit, uh, he will regress towards the mean. So I'm not going to be one of the people who wants to be involved in that stuff. Now, there are people who will add him because there are people who do just look at different things like season ranking and ERA and things that don't really give you the whole story. So if you look, he's ranked 108th on the season in terms of totals. In terms of per game, he is, I think, 77th. That right there is not really accurate. That's not, I mean, to this point, sure. And if you want to pay for what he's given you to this point in the season, then by all means. But I'm saying it's not going to continue like this if you're paying that price that he's going to cost you right now, which is probably not even that high, to be honest. But if you are paying a price for him or adding him, you can't expect him to be pitch into a 2.5 ERA and a sub one whip. It's just not going to happen. It's not who he is, and we can't expect it going forward. So if you do have him, don't get your hopes up. You can maybe try and bank a little bit of you – got, you got a little bit of goodwill after yesterday's start. So maybe you can try and add him up with somebody else and package him together for a bit of a better, a bit of a better pitcher or maybe a position player. But I think if you're trying to sell him, this is a great time to do it because of last night. I don't think we'll see too many repeat performances – and I think you can squeeze a little bit of value out of him there. Let's talk about a Eugenio Suarez. He hit a home run yesterday. He was three for four, drove in four runs. And he has been a huge surprise for me. I have a couple of shares of him this season. And he's been great in category and in points leagues. So he's the 80th ranked player to this point on the season in category leagues. He's got his 11 home runs, 32 RBIs, and his 236 batting average. So it's not a great batting average. But when you look at where the league is averaging, I think in the 240s, that's pretty solid. And you look at last year, he was at 198, so he's improved there. That was really the main thing holding him back from fantasy value was the low batting average. And I also have him in a league where uh, it's a points league that counts assists. It's a pretty standard points league other than the assist category. And he's the 22nd ranked player in terms of that scoring setup. So I've been really happy with what we've got from him so far. I know he's rostered in most leagues in the 70 percentages uh, somewhere in... Uh, let me take a look before I, before I speak out of my ass here. I think it's 76% rostered. So he's definitely someone who is not rostered in every single league. You can maybe find him in the odd league, and he's been, grand, he's been fantastic to this point. So if he is available, go and add him third and short eligibility. Not going to be a lot of leagues, but if you do go and add him, uh, it's... It's probably not going to hurt you in the long run because of the multi-positions, good power. I think he's, I think he's a good pickup for now.
Let's talk about Martin Perez now for a second here. He wasn't quite as sharp as he has been in his previous outings. He gave up two earned runs for the first time since April the 17th in his second start of the season. That is a long time ago. It is June 6th, June 5th, I guess, when he pitched. That's a long time to go. Uh, He also hit his first batter since his first start of the season. That being said, he went six innings, gave up seven hits, two earned runs. He struck out seven, which tied his season high. And he's still, guys, he's still one of the top pitchers to this point in the season. And him and Nestor Cortez, I don't really know how to describe what we've seen so far other than extreme outliers. Um, R.A. Dickey kind of comes to mind. The Cy Young season that R.A. Dickey had about 10 years ago, for those of you who don't remember, the knuckleballer who pitched for the New York Mets. My Toronto Blue Jays eventually traded the whole farm system for him afterwards. But uh, Dickey... At age 38 or 39, just had a, an unbelievable season for the Mets in 2012. I think it was 2012. And he won the Cy Young. I think he won 20 games. And it was the only great season he ever had. He had a couple of other decent years, but that was it for the greatness. And maybe we're seeing that with Nestor and Martin Perez this season. Wouldn't it be funny if the Cy Young race comes down to Martin Perez and Nestor Cortez? I think that would be hilarious. With I mean... There wouldn't have been one person who bet on that before the season started. If any sports books even had them, I, I for sure, I, I don't mind I mean, Perez, maybe. No, honestly, no. I, I don't think there's any way that any sports book would have had them before the season, unless you're talking about like maybe a Texas or a New York specialty, whatever. I don't, I don't, I don't think there was anybody who had this on their radar. So it's something to definitely marvel at. Martin Perez, to this point, is the twenty-fourth ranked player. He's the twenty-sixth ranked player in category leagues. Nestor Cortez is the eleventh. No one was expecting that. Uh, really cool to see. Now, now is Nestor and is Martin Perez still a sell high? I think yes. But if you want to ride them out and see what they can give you throughout the season, uh, I, I would understand it. I, I still don't think both of them are going to be this good the whole year. I think there will be some fall off, probably from both of them, honestly. I mean, if, if I'm more confident in one than the other, it's probably Nestor. But I think with both of them, we're going to see quite a bit of fall off eventually. So I, I'm still in a sell-high mode on them. And every good start just kind of reinforces that for me, that you need to be selling them or at least trying to sell them, looking at potential offers and different matchups and seeing how you can line up the value of those guys because those guys have both performed roughly uh, first, second round value to this point in the season. If you can get back someone who's going to give you like a top 50 kind of production, top 60 production for those guys, and we're talking confirmed top 50, 60 production, not... Like, I don't know, someone who's overperformed. Like, I wouldn't trade, like, Taylor Ward or something like that, even though I think Taylor Ward is actually injured right now. Uh, I wouldn't trade someone who's having another one of those kind of outlier weird seasons for Perez or Cortez. I would trade someone who is a little more established, who we're not guessing if this is going to continue or not, someone who we know uh, it will, in fact, continue. So I don't know how much you're going to be able to get out of them, but I think you'll be able to get a decent amount, especially considering they've, they've kept this up now for a third of a season. So at this point, we have to start thinking maybe it's a little bit more real than we initially anticipated. Let's move on to Rich Hill here. Rich Hill, 
I recommended him last weekend as a two-start option for the week, and I got really badly burned in his first start against Baltimore. He went four innings, gave up six earned runs. It was tough, and I don't think he made it to the second start for a lot of you guys. If you did add him, I'm guessing he was dropped by a lot of you after that first one. Hopefully, you were able to hold on for the Oakland start yesterday because he went six innings, gave up three hits, one earned run, while striking out five and getting the victory. Only 78 pitches over six innings. They weren't trying to push him too much here. I think that was wise. He went out and did what they needed him to do, and he got the victory because of it. So a little bit of saving grace for me there. Uh, Once I recommended him last weekend in my article, I saw what he did, and then I was very disappointed in myself. But you have to remember, you can't predict the future, right? I mean, the matchup was great, Baltimore and Oakland. And looking back on it, I would still recommend it. And I'd say it wasn't a terrible ad for the week. The seven earned runs isn't great. But other than that, it wasn't too bad. Ten strikeouts, he did get you a victory there. So a bit of a mixed bag for him. The other guy that I did recommend was Jordan Montgomery. And Montgomery had himself a pretty solid game yesterday as well. He went six and a third. He allowed two runs and he struck out five. He's still only sitting on the one victory, but to this point, he has been among the elites uh, in the American League. Maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I mean, he's maintained a 3.02 ERA through, I think we're at 11 starts now, 10 starts, 11 starts. That's fantastic. Most people you'd be over the moon with, pretty much everybody, especially considering people don't really trust Jordan Montgomery. He's only 65% rostered on Yahoo still. So, okay, maybe I'm exaggerating a little bit with elite, but he has been more than serviceable the one win is definitely disappointing but if he is looking at like four or five wins here his ranking of 220 is going to jump to like the top 100 or so based on stuff that's not really at all in his control i see him as a strong ad i see him as a very strong ad where he is still available and it's not that many leagues but 65 percent on yahoo he's still available in, in some places so if he is i mean he's just been one of the elite members of the yankees rotation at the very least right if you don't want to expand that out to baseball as a whole, which I, I totally get. Uh, maybe it's a little bit uh, superfluous. But I think he has been definitely one of the bigger surprises, especially considering where you drafted him, which was, like I don't even remember. It was like a post-pick 200, and he's returned great value. If the Yankees start putting up a little bit more run support during his outings, then no problem seeing him get to like 10 wins and having like top 150 maybe even top 100 value the rest of the way. So he's someone who should not be on any waiver wires. 84% roster on ESPN. They a little bit more up to speed there than the Yahoo folks at 65. But I think that he is someone who you should make sure is not available because he, he's pretty much gone in the more competitive leagues, but there might be the odd one where you can still find him here and there. I'm going to take a look now. I'll switch the order. I'll take a look at tonight's starting pitching matchups really quickly. We will go through. There's only six games here, so let's start off with the. Uh, eh, let's go with the Blue Jays first. Why not? You guys know I'm a Toronto boy, so we'll start with the Blue Jays. We have uh, Ross Stripling and Daniel Lynch going at it here. I'm staying away from both of these guys, to be perfectly honest with you. Daniel Lynch is kind of hit or miss. He does have a couple of good starts under his belt this season against the White Sox back in April. He had a good one at Coors Field. But here against the Blue Jays team that's starting to figure it out offensively, I'm not going to be uh, tempted here. Ross Stripling is a little bit interesting to me, but still, I don't think he's worth using an ad on a Monday for. You might get two starts out of him. In fact, you probably will get two starts out of him. But I still don't really see him as being worthwhile to add. Let's talk about Madison Baumgartner and Hunter Green. This one has the potential to be 
pretty interesting matchup. Now, Bumgarner has kind of fallen off from where we saw him perform at the beginning of the season. Uh, but Hunter Green is a pretty interesting matchup here. So I know he's I know he's struggled. He's given up 15 home runs. He's walked 24 in his 48 innings. That's that's really not so good. <laughs> I know uh, I don't have to tell you guys that. That's a lot. It's it's almost too much to deal with even. But if you look at the 29.1% strikeout rate, I'm liking that quite a bit. And if you're looking at the D-backs, they're 20th in slugging percentage in OPS, 28th in hits, and 29th in batting average. I think he's a decent option here tonight. I really do. I think he is someone who can be added. You get the potential for the two starts. Again, uh, you can recommend two-start guys. And that's why I moved away from it a little bit in my piece this week because so much there's so many variables uh, between managers pushing a guy back a day, injury list guys coming off of it, guys going on to it, weather stuff, bullpen days. There's really too many factors to accurately tell you who's going to start two times, especially if you're in a weekly changes league. You're setting your lineups on Sunday. You're saying, okay, he's supposed to go Monday and Saturday or Tuesday and Sunday. A lot of the times it doesn't work out that way, and then you've ended up adding a guy who is kind of an okay guy for one game. They would have been great if they had the two starts, but you've ended up adding a guy for just that one start on a Monday or Tuesday, holding him the rest of the week because you think that he's going to get a second start and then ending up just having him essentially give you zeros the rest of the way. And like I said, he just takes up a roster spot because you're hoping for that Sunday outing, and sometimes you don't really have clarity on that until Friday or Saturday. So I've kind of moved away from the two-start thing. There is one pl- uh, one pitcher we'll talk about this week who has two starts, who is rostered nowhere, and he is a little bit interesting to me. But other than that, and even he might not go twice, right? Yeah, yeah, I hope he will. I think he will. But I've learned, uh, not just from this year, but previous years, Although I've learned more so when actually writing about it and putting the content out that you think you're getting two starts, you might not always get two starts. So all that being said, for Hunter Green, I'm not adding him because of the two-start potential here. I'm adding him because I like the matchup here against the Diamondbacks. I think he's got a good potential to hit double digits for strikeouts tonight. I don't know for sure that we're going to see that happen. Obviously, it's hard to really predict that sort of thing. But I think we're going to see a good number of strikeouts, a good five or six innings out of him, and a, a Reds victory. That is what I am guessing the Reds are favored on the money line here, and that is what I am expecting to happen. Uh, Madison Bumgarner has been up and down a little bit this season. Started off very good. The last couple starts have been the good with the bad. Pretty good against Atlanta. Tough outing against the Dodgers and the Cubs. Uh, another one that was kind of okay against the Dodgers before that. He's been up and down a little bit. I'm pretty okay using him here. I don't think that he's someone who needs to be added, but I think if you already have him and you're going to use him here, I'm fine with that. If you have a finite number of ads for the week, I don't know that I'm going to go and add him. But if you already have him, no problem uh, throwing him in the starting lineup here. John Gray and Cal Quantrill, that is the next pitching matchup here, Rangers and the Guardians. So John Gray, I don't know, guys. I was expecting a little bit more coming into this season. And yeah, he had a good start last time. And yes, he's been injured a couple times. I think one time was COVID. I think he's had two stints on the injured list. So it hasn't really been a fair shake for him. But he does allow a lot of hard contact. And it's not something I'm a huge fan of. So he's a good source of strikeouts. But overall, I'm staying away. uh, Especially because the Guardians have been better than we've expected in terms of their offensive production to this point. They haven't been a great team. But they're ninth in runs. They're seventh in hits. Ninth in batting average. It's not bad. They're really not, they don't hit a lot of home runs, but they do get a lot of base runners on, and they do score quite a bit. So that worries me a little bit with, with John Gray. I'm not going to be interested in adding him here. I'm going to just leave him alone, let him be somebody else's problem. 
Cal Quantrill is who he will face, and he is one of those guys who I've recommended in two start articles. And he just keeps seeing to uh, – it seems that he always just starts the one game and he gets pushed back to the Monday or whatever here. So I like him fine. I don't think he's a great option. He's not going to give you a ton of strikeouts. I think he's an all right option to use here. Uh, but I tend to like to save my ads for later in the week, maybe use one or two of them on a potential guy who can last the whole week and give you value. I think it's a decent ad here, but uh, I'm going to lean towards just passing on this one altogether for both of these pitchers here. Let's move on to Robbie Ray and Christian Javier. <clears throat> Robbie Ray has been a train wreck for the Mariners. I think they couldn't. I think they're probably pretty devastated that they signed him to this contract that they did. Seeing what we've seen to this point, the strikeout numbers are still good. He struck out seventy four through his sixty five innings, but he's also walked twenty four batters in that period. He has overall not been the pitcher we saw in Toronto last year, and I think that he wishes and the Mariners wish that he was still in Toronto. Overall, here on the road against Houston, he's not going to be a recommended play for me. Christian Javier on the other side has been one of my favorite pitchers uh, this season to watch. And other than that one brutal start against Washington where he gave up seven earned runs, every other start has been under two. In fact, there's only one start where he even got the two. He's still someone who people don't really buy into for whatever reason. And the roster percentage is kind of caught up now. It's at 76% on the Yahoo side. But he's got an ERA that's 2.41. He strikes out a lot of batters. He's on a good team that gets a good amount of wins. I think he should be rostered in every single league. He should be one of those guys who's 90-plus percent rostered. And I think that this is a great matchup here tonight. So if he is available still, you got that Monday potential for a two-start week. Like I said, it's a potential. We don't really know. But with him, I think he's good enough that you're going to roster him regardless if it's one, two, or zero starts this week. You're going to be, you're going to need him on your team. You're going to want him on your team anyway if he's still available. And you can get him for free off the wire. So for me... Absolutely, if he's available, you go and add him. Michael Walker and Noah Syndergaard. That is the Red Sox and the Angels tonight. That's the matchup. Michael Walker has been one of the massive surprises this season, and I think that he's honestly just due to get absolutely smoked. He did a little bit against the White Sox, gave up five earned runs. I just don't want it. I don't want anything to do with him. Uh, I know he's been great. I just don't trust him based on this based on his track record. I, there's just I'm just not interested. I'm not even a little bit interested in Michael Walker, despite how good he has pitched. And I think the masses on the whole are fairly with me. I know I said how good has he pitched. Coming from a journalist, I should probably be a little bit more grammatically correct than that. But anyway, Michael Walker is 36% rostered on Yahoo, despite being in the top 150 for player rankings this season. That tells you people aren't really buying into it. And I'm not really buying into it either. So Michael Walker, for me, fine to leave on waiver wires or benches tonight because he's facing a tough Angels team. And yes, they're missing Taylor Ward. Yes, Mike Trout's been struggling, but they're still a team that can really explode and put up double-digit runs. So no thank you for me on Michael Walker. Noah Syndergaard, he is coming off a bit of a rough outing. Uh, I mean, I'm being kind of generous there. He gave up five earned runs over two and a third against the Yankees. Failed to record a strikeout, and we've seen him start to decline a little bit after a couple of great outings to begin the season. For me, he's not a great option here against the Red Sox team that has not been, you know, obviously not over the course of the season been fully up to par, but over the course of the last couple of weeks, they've definitely been quite a bit better. So I'm pretty okay uh, leaving Noah Syndergaard on benches tonight. He's not someone I think we need to worry about. Carlos Carrasco and Blake Snell. That's the final pitching matchup of the evening between the Mets and the Padres. 
I think that they're both pretty okay to start here. I'm more confident with Carrasco because of what he's shown us this season. We haven't seen too much out of Blake Snell, but from what we have seen, it's not been the greatest. Uh, I know he's only made three starts. Every time out, he has been striking out batters like he does, but he's also had a bit of trouble with control with the walks. So in 15 innings, he's walked eight batters. I think, honestly, to start the week off, he could really, it can go either way. But I think for the most part, I'm going to be leaving him on benches tonight. I don't want to risk starting off the week with a rough start from him there against the Mets team that we've seen is fantastic this season. So I'm not really going to take the risk yet. I want to see him prove it to me a little bit more first before I put him in lineups. I'll understand if you guys put him in there, but for me, he's a sit. Carlos Carrasco, I think, is is totally totally fine. Uh, I know the Padres are a good offense, but we've seen Carrasco be very consistent this season. In his good starts, he's very good. In his bad starts, he can be pretty bad. So obviously, it, it's not like a stone-cold guarantee he's going to be great. But I would feel more comfortable with him over Snell in this matchup, and I do think, as a whole, uh, I'm fine to use him here. So no problem with putting Carrasco in your lineups. I'll take a quick look at the waiver wire here and a couple of guys I talked about on Twitter this morning who are the most added players today. And then we'll go into my article from yesterday where we'll go over 13 guys uh, who can be added. I think there's, I don't think there's any overlap between them, actually. I think we're talking about different players. So John Gray, we already talked about. Graham Ashcraft is the second one we're talking about here. I'm a little bit concerned because he's only allowed a 200 batting average on balls in play, and he's leaving 90.4% of batters on base. Neither of those things are going to stick. Typically, batting average on balls in play is about 300. Typically, pitchers leave about 70% of batters on base. So when those do go back towards the normal, I'll hate to do it to you, but I'll say it one more time. Regress towards the mean. We're not going to be looking at someone who's going to be too valuable, I don't think, at this point. Especially pitching for the Reds, you're not going to see too many victories. Now, tonight against the D-backs... Sorry, it's actually Hunter Green tonight and then Ashcraft tomorrow. But regardless, uh, I don't see any need to add Ashcraft here. Uh, I'm a little bit worried about his strikeout percentage to go along with the left on base and batting average numbers. He's only striking out 12.7% of batters despite averaging about 97 on the fastball. That's a little strange. When you're throwing that hard, you're typically striking out at very least you're going to be around the league minimum or a league average of about 20-21% there. To be that far below it, I'm a little bit worried, and I'm going to be passing on him uh, as a stream against the Diamondbacks. It is tomorrow. I, I did mix that up. It is actually tomorrow, and Hunter Green is today. Um, Hunter Green, we already talked about a little bit there. I'm a little bit more confident with him just because he is able to miss bats a lot more efficiently than uh, Ashcraft is. And I think the potential is obviously quite a bit higher for Green. So I'm all right with using an ad on him. Ashcraft, um, I'm staying away from for now. Let's move on to Garrett Cooper. Uh, over his last two weeks, he is 19 for 44. That's a 432 batting average. Two home runs, and he's combined to produce 15 runs plus RBIs. He's always had some potential. He's also always missed quite a few games. I think he's only went over 100 games one time, and he had 103 a couple of years ago, I believe. I looked at the number this morning. I don't have it in front of me at the moment, but I think it was 103 was the most games that he ever played in a season. It's unfortunate because he's really got the power potential to go along with the batting average potential. He's like a career 285 hitter. So if he can stay healthy, then there's no question for me that he can be like a 20 home run guy, gives you a good batting average. He's eligible at first and in the outfield. He can be a valuable asset. I think, like I said, if he stays healthy, he's, he's a strong ad. And for now, while he is healthy, I know that sounds really stupid the way I said it, 
But you guys know what I mean. Add him for now while he's healthy and enjoy the production. Like, I don't know what we're going to see this last long term, but while he's hot, I'm okay with an ad. Uh, we'll do another mea culpa here. Andreas Jimenez, it's my fault. I was wrong about him. At the beginning of the season, or maybe about a week or two in, I was asked a couple questions about him, and I said he won't be able to sustain this. Uh, he was overperforming as far as I saw it. I didn't think that there's going to be too much there. But he has seven home runs, four steals, 48 runs plus RBIs, and he's batted 307. Uh, I was wrong about him. I think that he is a strong ad at this point, and my apologies to those of you who did not add him based on my advice. It does happen. So, unfortunately, he was one of those guys we missed on. And I think if you have time to correct that mistake, you should still do it. Because he's still available. I think he's like 56% rostered on Yahoo. He's still available in a lot of leagues. So, go ahead and add him. 57%. If he is still available in your league, I have no problem going and adding him there. I am going to take a look at some of the players I talked about in my article now. We are going to look at the 13 guys who I think you can add. There's a couple of them who are more prioritized than others. But uh, we'll just, I'll just go down the article and we'll talk about these guys for a second here. So Jesus Sanchez has really figured himself out recently. He's up to 26% rostered on Yahoo and 17 on ESPN. He, you guys remember, beginning of the season, Jesus Sanchez was one of the hottest ads in the league. He kind of fell off the cliff. And now he's picked it back up again. He's got three home runs over his last week. He's 8 for 22. I haven't been sprinting over to add him. I'm not like, you know, priority picking up, prioritizing him as a pickup right now. But the power is there, and I'm going to be keeping a close eye. I do understand in deeper leagues taking a chance on him. I'm just, I don't know. The up and down nature of what he's done so far leads me to believe we're going to see a streaky kind of hitter. And that he can probably be avoided, not avoided, but passed up on. I'm okay in deeper leagues. In standard size, I'm waiting to see uh, if we can sustain this. Because right now, I don't think he's quite worth it. Let's talk about Vinny Pasquantino. He is the Royals' fourth overall prospect. And he should be up in the big sooner than later. He makes for an ideal stash as far as I see it. He's 11% rostered on Yahoo. He's about 2% rostered on ESPN. In AAA Omaha, he's got 15 home runs, 52 RBIs, and a 285 batting average, and he walks just about as much as he strikes out. He's sure to be called up pretty soon, I'd imagine. I don't think we're going to have to wait too long, although the Royals are kind of a shitty organization as far as that kind of thing goes. They're not going to do the right thing and bring him up as soon as they could. Obviously, he would have been up already. I think they're... I don't really know, honestly. I don't really can't describe this because... When you're producing like that at that level, you're that high of a prospect, you're typically brought up. It's not like there's a ton of talent on this team that needs to, you know, that's keeping him away from playing time. So I don't really understand it. But once he's up and once the Royals do start to develop that core a little bit between him, Bobby Witt Jr., MJ Melendez, their infield is looking pretty okay for the next 10 or 15 years. So uh, aside from that, in terms of this season, uh, Pasquantino for me makes a decent stash if you have an NA slot. If you don't have an NA slot, then it's going to be a little bit hard. Daniel Hudson is the next guy we're going to talk about. 21% on Yahoo, about 6% owned on ESPN. He has been probably the most reliable piece of the Dodgers bullpen with his two wins and four saves. The ERA is about two and the whip is under one. He's struck out 31% of batters and he's only issued three walks in his 18 innings. 
I think he's a solid option to help out with those ratios. We do see this every now and again from a veteran pitcher. They go into more of a bullpen role. He's kind of he's been a starter and a reliever throughout his career. But every now and then you see a guy who's in their mid thirties. They just have a great season relief, um, great season of relief, and they're able to be like a, a massive asset kind of out of the blue. And with Craig Kimbrell kind of struggling a little bit, he'll get the odd night off. There'll be nights where they just want to, you know, not use him so much. He's he's getting old as well. I mean, they're both old, older anyway. So there'll be nights where Kimbrell gets the night off, or there'll be nights where Kimbrell blows a save and they bring in Hudson. I think that he's a decent option, specifically in deeper formats, or if you're looking for just a little bit of relief pitcher help, I think he's a good play. Jorge Lopez. He needs to be owned in more leagues. 63% on Yahoo!, 23.7 on ESPN. Now, I'm looking at these figures from my article. They're uh, a day old. So there is probably going to be a slight change in terms of the percentage, uh, but it's we're looking at maybe a percent or two here and there. Uh, Jorge Lopez, for example, 63 in the article, and he is now, what are we talking about here? Still, still 63, so that's just one example. But we're not going to see too much of a change. I just want to let you know, in case you do check and see that these numbers are slightly different, it's because I'm referring to them from yesterday. So Jorge Lopez, he has three wins and seven saves and a one ERA. The only reason a closer with those numbers is available in so many leagues is because he plays for the Orioles, and that shouldn't really stop you. Yes, there will be tough games against the Blue Jays and the Red Sox and the Rays and the Yankees, no question. But he's also done a fantastic job at limiting hard contact. He's 92nd percentile for average exit velocity and 98th for hard hit percentage. He's exceeded. He's exceeded. He has exceeded expectations by quite a bit this season, and he should be added for anybody who needs a bit of bullpen help. And even if you don't, he's a good player to add because he's going to have some more value. I'm thinking throughout the season. Even if you don't need the bullpen help, you can never have too many closers because there's always someone in the league looking for saves. You can always deal those kind of players. So. You should never be really too worried about having too many closers as far as I see it. Jace Peterson, he is about 23% on Yahoo. Actually, I think that's probably gone up a little bit more, the Jace Peterson number. Uh, 25, so not, not as much as I would have thought, actually. He's been on a great run over this last month with four homers, five steals, and 27 runs plus RBIs, and he's hitting close to 300 during that time. He's eligible at first, second, third, and in the outfield. and So it's really easy to just plug him in if you have a guy who gets injured, an off day, or what have you. He's very easy to just plug into your lineups there. He's also available in, like I said, most leagues, only 5.6% rostered on ESPN to go along with the 25 on Yahoo. He is available pretty much everywhere, and if you are a manager who does like to stream a lineup spot, he is as good of an option really as there is. Uh, Anthony Santander, he's the next one we'll talk about. His roster is a little bit higher, 37 on Yahoo, 70 on ESPN. He's a very durable source of production to this point in the season. He's appeared in every game except for one for the Orioles. He's got his nine home runs, 30 RBIs, and over the last week, he's nine for 31. A couple of home runs and eight driven in during that time period. One massive thing that I've seen from him is he has raised his walk rate, 5.3% from last year. Or sorry, it was 5.3% last year. Now it's 11.5%. He's already walked more this season than he did all of last year. He's a good pickup where he's available. Joey Votto. We knew it was going to happen, right? As soon as we dropped him, people were going to start giving up on him, and he would start to rake, and he has. He's got four home runs in the last two weeks, 11 for 39 in that span. And while the season ranking and, and uh, his batting average number won't look great for a little while, you're adding him for future production, not past production. So I think that he's a strong add where still available. 
Alejandro Kirk has been absolutely on fire, and I think that he is the number one player over the last week. Uh, let me just double-check that. No, he's number six. I'm surprised he's number six. Over the last week, he has four homers, seven RBIs, and he's batting 421. I need to see who is higher than him because that really surprises me. Over the last seven days, the number one player is Yordan Alvarez. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, Brandon Rogers, Wilson Contreras, Jimenez, Austin Riley, and then Kirk. Wow, okay. Well, Jordan Alvarez, ridiculous. Uh, over 500 in that period. But anyway, let's talk about let's talk about Kirky. He is for me a priority ad. Uh, he's, if, I mean, catching is. We all know how hard it is to find production from the catching slot, unless you have one of those elite names. And even the elite names in years past, like a Yasmani Grandal, has not really been elite to this point. So for me. If you have a guy like Kirk available in your league, obviously in any two-catcher format, must-roster. In Even in one-catcher formats for me, I'd say he's a must-roster at this point. As long as he's producing like this, he's batting over 300, showing great power. He had home runs in each of his last two games. In both games, he started over the weekend. He hit a home run there. I think that he is a strong, strong ad going forward. Let's talk a little bit about Matt Carpenter. And he has come back to life uh, like crazily. He didn't crack the Mendoza line, the 200 batting average line, in each of his last two seasons in St. Louis. And he combined to hit seven home runs in 2020 and 2021. Well, it wasn't whole season, sure, but I think he played about 100 games over that period. It's actually 180 games. 180 games. So 130 games in 2021 and 50 in 2020. He combined to hit seven home runs in that period. He has already hit four home runs in his 19 at-bats with the Yankees to this point in the season. I think that he's not someone who you can add in a weekly changes league, but if you're in a daily changes league, if he's starting in a home game, he's a great little bench player to add for the moment while he's hot. So I I don't think that you're going to be adding him in a lot of cases, but like I said, if you are a guy who likes to stream in a batting lineup spot, I tend to prefer to use my streaming spots on pitching, but there are people who do stream in a lineup spot. And I think he's a pretty good play, specifically, like I said, in daily changes leagues where you can plug him in there against right-handed pitching and in home matchups. So someone to definitely keep an eye on. Uh, Let's talk Kyle Farmer, the last position player we'll talk about. It's a horrible shame that he's no longer eligible at catcher. And I think last year it was catcher first, second, short, and third. You could play him anywhere in the infield. This year we're down to shortstop and third. And it's it's still been good. I mean, if he had catcher designation, he'd be absolute must rostered no question and he's been hot right now so I do say he's worth an ad he's 13 for his last 31 22 for his last 69 and he has four homers and 13 driven in to go along with a steal in the last two weeks now despite the loss of the positional depth I think that he still has value as long as he's hitting like this while he's hot he is worth adding so there are people who don't like to add a player until we've seen a couple of weeks of solid trends of solid numbers he has done that the last couple weeks have been very solid out of him there's some people who dislike to add the hot hand and they pick up someone as soon as they hit a home run and hope they can replicate it. Well, for both of you guys, for both of those schools of thinking, whether you prefer to add someone who is hot or someone who's proven it a little bit, he's kind of a mix of both of those categories. He's very hot recently, but it's also sustained over the course of about a month. So I'm okay with going and adding him. I'm going to talk now to end off our show about three pitchers who I think can be added this week to give you a little bit of a boost. So the first one is Josiah Gray. Thursday at Miami. Now, he has shown flashes of brilliance. 
He's kind of been similar to Hunter Green uh, with the home runs and the free passes, giving you a bit of grief while having high strikeout numbers. He's coming off a six-inning jam against the Reds where he allowed just one earned run over six innings while striking out nine. He gets a good matchup against the so-so Marlins team, and he gets them at the very large, spacious Lone Depot Park in Miami. So I am good adding Josiah Gray for this week. And, you know, he's someone who will figure it out as he goes on. So I, I'm okay with adding him for this week and seeing how long that can sustain for. Not necessarily a drop right after the Miami start. I think we're, in a lot of cases, you're going to be holding him in probably 12-plus team leagues. I think that he's probably okay. But you might want to stretch that to four teams depending on uh, how your league works. Some leagues prioritize stocking up on pitching. Some teams don't really care. Or some leagues, I should say, don't care as much about pitching. So I definitely know your league, but I think that he's someone who can be added and held on to for a little while anyway. Connor Pilkington is the second player we'll talk about and the only two-start pitcher I'm going to be talking about for this week. Definitely some risk associated with it. We've seen both sides of the coin from him. He is coming off a fine start against the Royals where he struck out eight and allowed only five hits in his five innings of work. The matchups make it intriguing. He gets Texas on Tuesday and Oakland on Sunday two of the poorest offenses in the majors. It makes him an interesting option for this week, and I think it's a gamble worth taking. You add him for Tuesday, you see how he does, and if he does perform well, which is a decent chance he will. There's also a decent chance he won't, but I think there's an equal chance of both outcomes. I think you add him for that first game. If he performs well, you keep him for Oakland. And even if he doesn't perform well against Texas, there's still a decent argument to be made to hold on to him and try again against Oakland because they do have a brutal, brutal offense over there in Oakland. So I, I would understand uh, if he does get lit up, then you drop him or whatever. But I think uh, between the two starts, we'll see one good one and one probably not quite as good. But between the two of them, I think he'll be someone worth adding for this week. Spencer Strider is the next guy we'll talk about, the last player we'll talk about on today's show. He's shown signs of really elite stuff. He's got 49 Ks and 32 and two-thirds. Striking out almost 37% of batters. That's ridiculous. Obviously not going to sustain to that degree, but it's a ridiculous number that we've seen to this point. He gets a Pirates team that ranks in the bottom five in the majors in runs, hits, batting average, and OPS. He's a really interesting ad for me for as long as he's in the rotation. And I mean, when Mike Soroka comes back, there's a decent chance that he goes back to the pen. In fact, it's probably the likeliest outcome. But as long as he's a starter, and even possibly in the pen, depending on what kind of role they have him in, I could see him having some uh, fantasy value just because of his ability to miss bats. For someone who can come in there and maybe pitch an inning or two in relief and give you three, four strikeouts consistently, if he's able to do that, I think that would be fine. So if he does get moved to the pen, I wouldn't see that as an immediate drop once Soroka's back. I think Soroka's probably a good few weeks out still, so you still get a, probably three or four, five more starts out of Strider. Hard to say exactly. But even once he's moved back to the pen, obviously a lot can change depending on now and then, or depending on what happens, obviously, between now and then. A lot can change. But I think that he's going to be someone who will hold value. He'll get better and better, specifically in a dynasty format. He is someone who is a, definitely a massive target. But even in redraft, I think that the, the ability to miss bats, the, the striking out is his main, obviously, his main category. Once the other things start to fall into place for him, I think that he'll be really good. And the matchup this week has me adding him wherever he's available. So, guys, thank you so much for tuning in this week, starting your week out with us. Hopefully, you're able to implement some of these suggestions before lineups lock for the week. Or even if you're in a daily changes league, hopefully you can add some of these guys. And maybe it works out. Maybe it doesn't. 
hopefully we've uh, we've set you on the right course for this week and the rest of the season. I want to shout out JP Stucco one more time. He is the host of Fantasy NFL Today. You guys can find him on Twitter at JP Stucco. He does great stuff on the football side between his threads, different podcasts that he does. At this point, I believe three times a week, we're going to be moving into the five times a week later on in the season. But between his Twitter, his pod, his TikTok stuff, he puts out a ton of fantasy football content for you guys. So go ahead and follow him at JP Stucco. You guys also should go follow Ethos Fantasy Football, which is Ethos Fantasy FB on Twitter. Pretty soon, there will be a blurb feed over there, which will keep you up to date on news in the NFL. You will get injury news, trades, updates on players, breakdowns, all that kind of stuff. They're actually a little bit more ahead at Sports Ethos on the football side than the baseball side. So there's going to be a lot more content coming out over there. Hopefully, we'll get some more baseball stuff throughout the season as well. But for the football fans in you, I know there's definitely some overlap there. I know that I play pretty much anything with fantasy points. I'm okay to play it. There's no problem there. Uh, I kind of wish there was some category fantasy football leagues as a side note. I think that would be kind of cool. And I don't know that I've ever actually seen one. I think it would be kind of cool. But anyway, I think that you guys should go and check out JP. There's definitely some overlap there. Some of you guys are definitely starting your dynasty startups. And maybe you just have... Uh, some early actual drafts for redraft too that's also a possibility whatever the case may be jp has you covered so go ahead and hit him up at jp sticko ethos fantasy fb guys thank you for being here with us we'll see you back here tomorrow for the tuesday edition cheers guys